Hey guys, on this episode of EdTech, I'm going to be talking with Scott Tyner, Ernie Bailey, James King, and Rob Raspberry as we talk about troubleshooting tech terms as well as how to talk with faculty when it comes to having the room on fire. All this and more on EdTech. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is EdTech, episode 92, Troubleshooting Tech Talk. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Kramer, AV Beyond the Box. This is EdTech, the Higher Ed Tech Monthly Podcast. I'm your host, Bill O'Donnell, and this month we're joined by James King. Oh, how are you, sir? Good, and yourself? Doing well, man, doing well. Uh, Mr. Rob Raspberry, how are you, sir? Doing great. Hope you're all keeping safe. Indeed. Mr. Scott Tyner? Hey, Bill. Nice to be here. Yeah, nice to have you back. And as always, Mr. Ernie Bailey, how are you, sir? I'm doing just fine. Like Scott said, glad to be here today. Well, there we go. So um, first off, we're coming towards, uh, as I say, we're coming towards the end of the semester. For some of us, uh, the great, as I say, the classes are already over, finals are already in commencement. And if you're like me, you suddenly found out that the room you were planning on working in uh, suddenly opened up at a week and a half early. So all of a sudden you look and say, yeah, and you know, you jump on the project with all four feet. So currently, uh, you guys can't see this, but uh, I'm already dealing with a uh, rack rash from about, you know, uh, dealing with a, a 12 by 12 uh, ye old BNC switcher. So anyways, uh, the first uh, article we're going to go over is actually by uh, one of our participants here, Mr. James King. It's his, his uh, IT and AV uh, article, which comes to us from uh, Higher Ed AV Magazine. Once again, we'll... Uh, we'll Nice promo to uh, Joe Way and his fine organization and everything. And the article itself is over processing. It's called Processing to Understand. And um, James brings up a good point in the article and everything. And for me, I tend to view it. And, you know, as a tech manager, this is always like an ongoing problem. Um, but it's almost the what is the common vocab are, what's the what's the common language that you try to get across to both your techs as well as the faculty and everything? Reason being is you know if you look in the article and in all, um, you know the faculty were talking about your overhead projectors, which you know if you haven't seen those before, back in you know olden days when I, when I'm doing when I was uh, going to school, even in college, uh, they had the you know clear projector which had the nice uh, acetate sheets and uh, the faculty would be marking them up with markers, and you know mm -hmm. you you'd be like me who'd be like on a little paper tablet furiously scribbling down notes at 8 a.m. going who, who there's the, why am I doing this what am I what am I doing what am I doing with my life why am I writing down notes at 8 a.m. this is a secret I swear, but anyways. Um, but to this day, we still have faculty who will call up and say, oh, uh, yeah, the overhead's not working. And of course, you know, for, for our campus, we have the math department and the art department who still use them. So there's always that little hesitation of, oh, is this something I actually really need to go over and fix? Or did like a bulb just go out? Or is it the actual projector and, you know, ye old professor is going, help me, the room's on fire, get your butt over here. So um, I'm going to throw it around the room and everything. 
guys, for you, like, is there a kind of common common language or at least certain level of expectation when you guys are dealing dealing with uh, troubleshooting, or does it turn more into just, well, it's you know, it's Professor Cook from history and this and that, like, you know, just go in, save face, and you know, worry about it later, kind of thing. I, it's it's one of those things of do you guys have a certain level of of uh, confidence slash certain level of like I said, it's a vocab thing with faculty. Do you guys have that, or is it just one of those? Uh, you know, the students are smart enough. They or the 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 help desk folk know what they're doing. I think it goes off of who you're actually dealing with. Um, as everyone will tell you, is the faculty members when they're calling, they're not calling to say hi. Something's going wrong. They're in front of a class. They might have egg on their face and they want something fixed now. They're not gonna care about terminology they're using. They want someone there to fix their issue and get the egg off of their face. And that's why like the whole processing to understand is, yeah, they may be using the wrong term, but us techs, we should realize what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And understand what they're trying to do and then take that language that they're giving us and decipher it into our own language. Now, if one of my text calls me and says the overhead is not working, I'm going to give him some uh, look about that because he should know better. The text should know. But yeah, if a faculty member, I, I don't expect them because like I'm not going to know math terms. So I'm, I don't expect them to know the terminology for tech. Now if you're dealing with a comp side professor, you might give them a little more like expect for tech, but really I take them, let's get their problem solved and get them up and running and try to save face. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things, um, whenever, like if I have to go into the room and uh, do some quick troubleshooting, cause you know, folks, folks, Folks get busy. Sometimes multiple rooms are on fire kind of thing. Uh, when everything is said and done, or if it's something simple and, you know, the fact that later on go like, oh my God, oh, I couldn't believe it was just this. I look at the folks and I go, and how many years have you been doing AV integration and, you know, AV system design? And they go zero. I'm like, well, then why, you know, why worry? I was like, how many years have I been, you know, teaching, uh, um, you know, uh, nurse, like uh, nursing procedural theory and things like that. Zero. So, yeah, it, it's in that kind of ballpark deal. You actually think one of the things I, I thought about that was great about this this article, James, was uh, there's there's so many things to talk about in here, right? For a fairly short article, I could I could have a conversation with you for about two hours about this. Um, and certainly, one thing I, I I thought when I read this, and knowing you're going for your MBA. Uh, this could be like a minor case study, right? Give this to a tech and say, tell me, tell me what's wrong with what the tech did in here, first of all, and what the tech said. But I think the other piece uh, to answer Bill's question is um, we don't expect faculty to have any of our language or any of our users have any of that language. And that's why we go to a room that we don't try to solve something over the telephone uh, because even a word that seems as simple as computer will mean something different to somebody standing in that room. We have plenty of faculty who will call the monitor the computer. And if you say, is the computer on? They'll be like, yeah, the light's on, I see it. 
and you assume then that they that the computer's on, and it's not because they're actually not even looking at the computer. They're not looking at the blue light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so you have to go to that room. You have to uh, do what James talked about, which is actually troubleshoot the problem. Say to the professor, "Tell me what you're trying to do, and what in that step isn't working for you." And then, and then you have to go from there. Yeah, we're the same way. You know, I tell my uh, staff, you know, we can't recover lost class time. So if a pr professor calls and says the system's not working, don't start asking questions. Tighten your uh, shoelaces and get down the hall. Uh, get in there and get it fixed. Uh, I've probably shared this on here before, but, you know, I tell my guys, we don't want the faculty or the students concerned about the technology. We want them thinking about what they're going to be teaching or what they're going to be learning. Uh, our, we're an academic health science center. I tell my st staff, you know, these people, the students in the room learning are going to be taking care of you in 20 years when you're sick. You don't want them to miss that one lecture they needed, mm -hmm. you know? And we, we do a lot of um, remote support which allows us to quickly solve issues without going in the room. But I'm the same way. I might spend one to two minutes on the phone. And if I'm not making headway, I'm off I'm to the room. Um, or if I know someone's working on an issue, say like the help desk is getting a call and they're talking to the professor, I'm gonna start heading to that room. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be called halfway to the room saying, hey, they don't need help anymore, they're good then having them wait that extra two, three minutes to that, walk down the hall. James, that's exactly how we do it. When our help desk gets a call from a classroom, they dispatch a technician in that direction while they're trying to solve it remotely. That's great. Uh, and a lot of times we'll still, even if we've got it fixed, ask the technician to step in and wave to the instructor. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, my guys, they may not be known by name, but they're known by face when they walk into the classroom. Oh, yeah. So, and then yeah. the instructor can say, hey, one of your guys came in and checked on us. We had everything fixed, but we appreciate them coming by. Yeah. So, you know, you, you get you get points there that you can spend later when something really bad happens. And the remote support, James, when you talk about it, I think of we, we will do remote support uh, with feedback that we get from the system. Right. right. So if we see the computers off. We can say, hey, in that room, can you look at the cabinet below and turn? So we might do something like that. Um, but talking with the faculty is, is really tough because you have two types, right? One who's going to call the projector in the room, the overhead, which is, which is dangerous. But maybe the other more dangerous one is the younger faculty who thinks they know what the problem is. Oh, yeah. and, they're, and they're leading you down the complete wrong road. And because they seem to be using words that make sense, you, you go down that road with them exactly. uh, and often make more of a mess than, <laughs> than it started. Because in that case, the computer was also off. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, guys, this is something like that we do here on campus. Now, once again, we have the luxury of having like an in-house programmer and some of you guys do, some of you don't. Um, but our programmer, Damon, actually continually pulls uh, the device equipment for feedback and then he also builds that into the touch panel so that if there is a problem um, for us, like, you know, if we get a trouble call for one of the classrooms um, there, you know, we can actually remote into the panel itself. And on the panel, it'll actually say nine times out of 10 what the problem is. And it'll say things like, oh, there's no signal going to the projector 
or, oh, there's, um, you know, there's no signal coming from the computer. There's no signal coming from the source. Um, or, you know, if there's absolutely no network connectivity and everything, just a big red uh, uh, warning light comes on and everything. Um, and, you know, that's been one of the things that were that, you know, has actually helped us out because a lot of times when we do the remote, uh, you know, remote into the panels, it usually says, oh, oh, you guys, um, is the, the actual PC on? And they go, oh, and you know, sometimes, sometimes it's as easy as that. Uh, the other thing, and we're kind of experimenting out with this, um, and this is something actually I want to ask all you guys. Uh, do you guys have phones in the classrooms? Oh. No? We do not, no. Okay. No. So one of the things, since we have Crestron touch panels in our, in our setups, um, we're actually monkeying around right now because the panels themselves can do a SIP. And we're trying to see if we can actually make it to where if they put, like, we're gonna try to enable a help button and the help button will actually dial an H323 SIP number and everything, which will obviously go back to our help, uh, our help uh, uh, line and everything. We're and, trying to get there, but yeah, that, that keeps getting pushed down the road. Well, as I say, thankfully we're a small enough, uh, we're a small enough university where I know the phone guy directly and I go, can you give us a couple of like party party numbers that are like just internal, like no one's going to be able to dial out or anything like that. It just goes internally here. And he went, yeah, yeah, I can do that. So it's our, that's our way of like trying to at least make it a little bit even quick, even easier slash quicker because, uh, and I'll, I'll throw this to you guys and everything, you know, there are some faculty folks who just go, Oh, the room hasn't worked. Oh, it's never worked this and that. And I go, did you guys put a ticket in? Well, I told you guys about it. And I'm like, did you put it in an email? Yeah. Okay. Like, and normally if we get those, are at least the folks at our help desk know enough to where they go, okay, we'll put the help desk ticket in and try to cover it and everything. But we try to get folks like, once again, the room's on fire and you know, yeah, we will be down there and everything. But if it's like, hey, this happened, it's like, guys, put in a ticket, we'll track it. If it's like a repeating issue and everything. And like I said, that's why we're trying to get to the literally, you know, you hit the help button on the touch panel and it'll bring it up to, it'll bring it up straight to the help desk folks and everything. And like I said, it's just trying to make, it's for us at the core, I view it as us trying to make the faculty feel as comfortable as, or at ease as much as they can. Because like you said, James, like, you know, the faculty don't want to lose face in front of, in front of their students. They, you know, like, they're going to get frazzled and then for them to try to get back on track with teaching, you know, they had already had a routine. They already had like this rhythm going and, you know, boom, you know, they blew out a flat tire. So I'm, I'm going to add two quick things to this, uh, Bill. So yeah. one thing that we've done is there's faculty that are not going to fill out tickets. Mm. And there are some instances, not only with just classroom issues, but, you know, uh, collaboration platform issues. So what we've done is on our main number, we have the ability because we have a lot of tickets come, a lot of a lot of calls coming at the same time is when a message is created, it automatically pushes it to our email. Mm -hmm. And so, and it also allows us to download the message right on our, our machine so we can hear it right there without having to go into the queue or anything else. So that's one other thing that we've added that allows us to, to cover more um, troubleshooting. 
one thing that I think that we sort of uh, may not, well, I'm, not, I'm sure a lot of us do it, but follow up with faculty and people uh, who have issues is very key. And sometimes you find that in the moments after they've had the problem, uh, after stuff has happened, or you know, you go in and check on them on a follow-up in a classroom and you have a conversation with them and you you sort of lay out, okay, this was the problem, this is what happened, was the touch paddle that was the projector, it was they sometimes pick it up, but more importantly, they become more comfortable with you. And uh, to the point also where if you make that connection and you get that call, well, that same problem's happening again you don't really have to ask them. You sort of know exactly, okay, we're right, coming right over. We know what's going on. So yep. follow-up and feedback also is very key after troubleshooting. Um, so that's another step that we do. Now, we're pretty lucky is, uh, like I said, we have phones in all our classrooms. And so our faculty members don't hesitate to give us a call. We don't expect our faculty members to actually submit tickets. We put it on our us to right. do it. So even we get a call saying that the room's on fire, we're gonna run down, take care of the issue. When we come back, we're logging the ticket. We're putting it under the faculty number info. So we have their info to follow up, like Robert said. And so we're the ones who are putting the tickets in. We don't expect the faculty members to do it. They're, they should focus on teaching. Right. It's as I say, <clears throat> for it, like I said, it all depends with the with the faculty. Like I said, if it's uh, like a history professor, I just kind of take it on the take it on the nose and I just go, okay, log it in. Here you go, no problem. Um, but like I said, the, I think at the core of it, it's yeah, you want the faculty to be at least comfortable enough to say, oh hey, I you know I I need help, I need this. Um, one of the ones we had just recently. Uh, and Rob, uh, Rob, this goes back to what you were talking about. Uh, we had this faculty member said, yeah, listen, uh, I'm doing Zoom sessions because we're doing high flex. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. What's, what's going on? Well, after 40 minutes, the Zoom call shuts down. And I kind of went, okay, well, how, how many times has this happened? It's happened like two or three times. And, you know, I've got classes and this and that. And I said, are you logging in using your email or your personal one? Well, I thought they were the same. No. And uh, I said, you know what? Come on. I was like, come on by to the office. We'll work this through with you and everything. And yeah, the faculty member didn't realize that, you know, we had gotten an enterprise license and I'm like here. And you know what? I was like, here, I'll, I'll even do you an extra couple of favors here. I was like, I'll make a zoom tab for you on the, on your blackboard site and everything. And I said, you can, I said, the only thing I'll ask is like, if you do this, I'm like, you know, you can record sessions. I said, please record them to the cloud. I was like, if you record them to the PC, I'm like, I can't guarantee that the stuff's going to be there. And um, ever since then, you know, they've like, she's actually been really happy about stuff. And she's like, oh, it's really easy. She's like, all I had to do was just schedule everything. And now I can point back my, my previous Zoom sessions to, you know, the classes and this and that. And I'm like, that's cool. It, you know, at, at the end of the day, once again, I, and I've said this multiple times and one more ain't going to kill us. Uh, I firmly believe, you know, folks are not coming to our universities because of the technology. Now, the exception to that might be like MIT or, or Stanford or something like that. But 
you know, by and far, no one's coming by saying, yeah, yeah, no, I want to, I, I want to come to this school because, you know, we can do, we can do Zoom sessions uh, in every classroom. No one's saying. But like I said, it's, it's, go ahead. Just to play the other thing is thinking about how many tours you might have. And if the technology is failing during your tours, I mean, that's a bad impression right there in the school. Yeah. So yes, no one's going to go, hey, I'm going to go to XYZ because they have the 4K projectors. But if they walk in the classroom and they're using a overhead <laughs> system, they'll be like, I don't know if I want to go here. Is this teacher yeah. actually teaching the latest stuff? Yeah. Or if they see a chalkboard. <laughs> yeah. We, we went through that uh, about a year and a half ago uh, after we went through a bunch of uh, interview sessions for potential students uh, and brought them in on tours. Some of the feedback we got was, well, I went to this other school and they're, you know, all their technology seemed newer mm. and uh, looked like they had it under control. So I got a, I got a new budget. Oh, look at that. Uh, fancy, fancy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah for, for us, I think the biggest push forward, and obviously we've talked about it, but it was, it was here, can we do Zoom in the classrooms? And I'm like, yeah, we've, we've already updated the, the document cameras and everything. Is it a perfect fit? No, but is it enough to get things moving along? Yes. Um, speaking of a uh, wonderful world of high flex and document cameras and cameras is extraordinaire. Uh, Scott came to us and he has an article off of uh, Rave Pubs uh, entitled, will, will There Be a Rise of Home Studios? And once again, in, in, the, in, the, in the realm of COVID and everything, yes, a lot of folks are doing more high flex or online classes and things of that nature. And um, Scott brings up a good point in the article. And actually, if anything, Scott, I'll let you explain this one. Um, reason being is that, once again, if you're a podcaster, like all of us are at the moment, um, there is a certain amount of like, you know, you need to have certain levels of equipment and things like that. And not always all the faculty get these things, but I'll let you kind of digress with all this. Well, for us at, at, at Bates, we're having very serious conversations right now about what happens when this is done? COVID's done. Let's hope it's September 2021. Let's say September 2022. What happens? Does everybody just start coming back to work? Is it all normal? And we're we're feeling pretty strongly that A, no, lots of people don't come back to work. And, and B, maybe we don't want lots of people coming back to work. And C, maybe we have lots of people like me who really actually enjoy the flexibility. I might get up in the morning for an 8 a.m. meeting, sit there and, and drink my coffee in my house, and then at 10, head, head back to head over to campus to do some stuff. But I really think about um, our, our executive teams, the, the people, the admissions people who are talking to students, the, um, the president, the vice president for advancement, who are having conversations that really matter. Um, and, and what does their video look like? What does their audio look like? What does their background look like? And as great as this virtual background is, it's distracting when I wave my arm and it disappears, or you see these weird artifacts or you know, half my head disappears. It's distracting. And if I'm trying to convince you to spend or to donate X amount of money or to come to this college because we're, we're really sophisticated, when those things happen or you can't hear me or you've got what I got going on right now because I don't have a, a circle light, it's half my face is lighter than the other half. Um, 
you it, it's distracting. And so I, I wonder about all of these things put together. And we have a, a vice president maybe who wants to go to, you know, a, their their house and work out of their house for a couple of weeks in the summer, but still want to do work. Is there a need for a studio there? And how easy can we possibly make that uh, that studio? So the one thing I want to talk about the virtual background is I agree with Scott that they can be distraction, but they're also a big security say. You think about right now, if you look at Robert, he has a tree in his back behind him. We see that his back's to the window. If I'm a malicious person, I can start taking that information and using it to attack him. Or same with uh, Ernie there. Like, we have a virtual background. You can't see papers on my desk. You can't see what's behind me, um, where the sun is, what lighting I have, or what bill has no windows. Um, so that's a key element of virtual backgrounds. I agree. The artifacts, they they are distracting, but i rather that than someone, especially like you take a college president who might have confidential information on their desk. And that's picked up by the camera because they're not using a virtual desktop or virtual de uh, background. That's bad. So yeah. I, I'm a component of virtual backgrounds, but I do understand where you're getting at, Scott. Well, then I, again, so I'm talking very, a place, not a person sitting at their desk, right? This is somebody who I'm going to a meeting with a million dollar donor. I'm going to step over to here and do this. And we still might use virtual backgrounds because I don't want a white wall behind me, but I am going to have a green screen behind me and I am going to have good lighting so that I'm not getting those crazy artifacts that I'm getting right now. We're, we, we've started doing, uh, well, we've done it for years, what we call lunch with leaders, where our investment group, our uh, institutional uh, advancement team, that's the go get money team. Uh, they have done this monthly uh, meeting for years where they brought in, let's see, how did they describe it? Donors, alumni, and special friends of the university. Now, special friends are, I think, really uh, how they're describing future donors, people that have big checkbooks but haven't used them yet. Uh, and we've taken those virtual and now instead of having the people come on campus, giving them a small tour of a certain area, we're doing these presentations. Uh, we've converted one of our auditoriums basically into a studio. We don't, you know, it seats 330 people. During COVID, it seats 80. It's not really usable for anything. So it's got a small stage in it. We've added some special lighting and we, it's got a nice lectern with our university logo on the front of it. They stand behind that and give their talk. We've got tape marks on the stage for them to stand in certain spots when they're giving presentations. We've controlled the background behind them. And, you know, like I said, we've kind of made it a little studio set. And we've found that it's useful for when the chancellor's doing a town hall or if the governor wants to come to campus and give a talk on health care. He usually do does those from our campus. Uh, so he'll come across town and he'll come in that auditorium and we've got it lit. We've got cameras. We've got good microphones. We've gotten the chancellor, uh, a countryman mic, and he puts it on before he leaves his office, comes over and we plug it into a transmitter. 
uh, when he walks in the room. So he's got his microphone. It's been perfectly fitted. Uh, it's the cables are dressed under his jacket or his shirt. However, he's dressed. Uh, so, you know, I, that's kind of going along with both what James was saying about making it look good and what Scott was saying about, you know, the high end donors and stuff like that. Yes. You want to make them look good. You give them a professional setting. Uh, it's not a home studio, but it, like I said, we've pretty much created a studio for them. Yeah. For us, um, we actually went to the degree of, uh, when the, the president of the university has been giving all of his town hall meetings, as well as, you know, any of his, uh, you know, state of the campus addresses and everything. Um, we've actually gone to his, to his house and set up uh, either a, a green screen backdrop. And we also went and got like a little, uh, um, uh, some mini LED uh, lights and everything. So he has proper coverage. So he can just sit down. Granted, it's still a webcam and his laptop and everything. Or in this case, I think it's a MacBook Air, but whatever. Um, you know, he can just sit down. He turn, you know, literally, it's one button turns on the lights. He has all his stuff, and then he, you know, obviously the broadcast guys uh, set up set it up either. I think it's uh, Teams into YouTube or uh, Zoom to YouTube or something. It, anyways, there's levels where they can kind of control everything. Um, it's not to the level of like a one button studio. And that's one of those things like it's, it's been talked about for years, but I don't think it, it's a nice concept, but when you're dealing, and you guys are right, when you're dealing with high level, like, you know, if this was the corporate realm, like C-level uh, execs and everything, it's like, no, no, this, you, you can't just say, oh yeah, here you go. Just take it and run with it. There's always going to be, listen, this is an image. This is a, a product. This is a, a, a view we're going to be giving folks and it can't just be, you know, Oh yeah, here, let me just uh, pop it on. Like, uh, you know, like I'm just, uh, like I'm just doing a, a regular uh, Skype call for, to mom. It's like, no, no, no. You, you can't do those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, but like I said, I, if anything, uh, James and, and Ernie, you guys are both right on the money with that. Yeah, it's, it's sort of interesting because the whole, whole pandemic um, sort of gave us a bit of a test bed and a little bit of a, a trial by fire on this. So, you know, like right now I have a light that's basically shining on me so that the whole background doesn't blow out. And, you know, those kind of small production kind of tips you give to people when you can. And it's interesting, um, Scott, that you, you, know, you mentioned the high level stuff because that's where this, I think, becomes has the most impact. So what had happened with us is when everything went online, uh, you know, my team was ready with Zoom and, and, and the platform and, and the transition went remarkably well. But uh, with few people on campus, we had all these town halls and VIPs being involved. And we did not have the resources uh, really or the personnel because most people are remote to really handle stuff on campus. So guess who was the person that had to deal with that, this guy. And it was uh, an amazingly, I would say horrifying, but uh, in the end, sort of a, a very satisfying journey. So as an example, we used Teams uh, live because at the time it could handle thousands and thousands of users. And if you're gonna pay thousands of users or even a thousand users in Zoom, it's gonna cost you an arm and a leg. But what happened is, 
is that, you know, we ran in there, put, you know, or I should say I ran in there, put, you know, the laptop down that the president or somebody's going to use. And they have these long introductions and, you know, you're using a not a great teleprompter program and they're sort of up on it, looking down, looking like this during a town hall. And it's just not a good situation. <laughs> so, you know, you get sort of the horrifying negative feedback. Well, you know, we don't want the president to look like this. We don't want such and such a look at this. And you take it and you evolve and you make them understand, listen, you know, we're doing this and everything's, you know, a, a short timeline. So we decided to get a teleprompter stick it back um also you know use and use a you know a sony camera fairly decent uh production sony camera um you know mic them properly uh now what was interesting is we got them and taught them how to use the teleprompter and, and do these kinds of things and it went so much better brought a light in everything was great but in the spaces that they're using, they work in these spaces and they don't want to have us come in and set up lights and do all this stuff and sort of interfere with a normal uh, workday. So they have decided, listen, we've got a space that we're going to dedicate to this. And so we need this outfitted and we're working on that, which is great. And I, I think a lot of the people understand, listen, you know, we're, we're pitching stuff to this to prospective students perspective donors, it's got to look good, it's got to look great. So like you said, Ernie, everything's set up the way you have, you know, with the background, everything dressed, it's wonderful. And and so, yeah, the, so the in-home studio, well, I mean, I, I guess if somebody has enough money to dedicate a space for that, that's good. Um, but, you know, right now we're doing particular spaces that they can use. And also the other part that I, I noticed in the article was you're mentioning about you know being able to to mount stuff permanently on a wall or put a microphone you know yeah a, a, a pan tilt zoom camera that you can control yourself and sort of set up as well and do presets sounds like a good thing i think it depends upon you know how tech savvy the the, the people are but yeah the, the 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 quality of the either the home studio or should i say the high stakes pitch is very important well, guys, that is all the time we had. I was, this was actually a fun conversation on both articles and everything. Um, as always, guys, uh, where can the fine folks find you guys at? Uh, Mr. King? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AV underscore James King. And uh, you can also find me on the Higher Ed AV Digital Magazine once a month with my article, IT in AV. There you go. Mr. Raspberry? I am on LinkedIn. There you go. Mr. Tyner? You can find me on, on Twitter at S Tyner or uh, on LinkedIn. Ah, can they, and where can they find that fine article at? Uh, that's at Rave Pubs. Ah, there you go. And Mr. Ernie Bailey, where can the fine folks find you at? You can always find me on LinkedIn. Well, there you go. I'm Bill O'Donnell. You can find me on LinkedIn. And as always, this is EdTech, part of the AV Nation family of podcasts. As always, this is EdTech.